This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise their own history as well as their queer history and community members. The Voice by LGBTQ plus youth and music only on sin. This is Loud and Queer. queer, queer. Welcome to Loud and Queer, um, the voice for queer youth and music on sin. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I'm bisexual and we're coming to you on a wandery land and I would like to acknowledge the sovereignty was never ceded. Hello everyone, I'm Sammy and uh, yeah, we're back in the studio for this week. Yay! <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about uh, this and that on the show, the news whip of course, we'll be covering Froth or Not, and uh, we'll be talking about the meta censorship, uh, meta formerly known as Facebook is at it again. Um, when are they not? <laughs> when are they not? And uh, we'll be talking a bit about uh, trans-focused healthcare as well, um, ahead of Trans Day of Visibility, and um, yeah, we'll be all playing trans and gender diverse artists this week and next week as well just either end of TDOV so hope you enjoy that yeah um so if you want to re- if you do want to reach out to us um on any of our like major like social medias you can reach out to you can reach us on twitter and instagram at sinloud that's at s-y-n loud all loud and queer on facebook although we're here to criticize meta so maybe not <laughs> <laughs> yeah look the, probably Instagram is the best way to contact us. and um, Most likely, yeah. But, um, but if you do want to listen to um, this podcast like this podcast or any of our previous podcasts, you can check us out on uh, any of your major streaming services like Sp- Spotify, Apple Music, Omi, and Stitcher. Yeah, and uh, to kick it off this week with MusicWise, going to be playing someone that we love on this show and have played a lot of. Oh, it's, yes. <laughs> it's Race Rage <laughs> with Divine Melanin. And uh, yeah, if you don't know about Race Rage, they are a NAM-based ba- rapper and uh, activist. And uh, this track is from their debut album, Black Medusa, which was released earlier this year. So let's jump into it. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. The berry, sweets are the fruit. We're not for your consumption, but we're looking cute. Divine Malanin, the gift of Akin. Welcome back to Loud and Queer on Sin. You just listened to Divine Melanin by Racer Rage, just a favourite of ours on the show. We absolutely love the work that they do. Um, so... Yep, we're going to be jumping into our news whip for the week now. Um, just as a brief content warning, some of the song, some of the news stories we cover today will have brief mentions of transphobia and works workplace discrimination, specifically faith based workplace discrimination. Yeah, um, I wanted to keep it fairly light though, so those are very brief mentions, um, and uh, of course, I want to acknowledge that uh, stuff's still going on in the US with uh, that all those numerous bills, but um, might talk about those on the news next week but mm. honestly just too much to cover and even updates like of a few hours ago so oh yeah it's <laughs> um, it's, it's constantly growing and it's, it's just constantly changing at this point yes but um anyway so this first story is from them and uh leah thomas has become the first openly trans athlete to win an ncaa division uh one championship winning the 500-meter freestyle swim with a time of four minutes and 33.24 seconds uh in february 
USA Swimming had announced new medical compliance policies for trans athletes, making it unclear if Leah would be able to compete at all. But the NCAA declined to comply after over 300 athletes signed an open letter encouraging them to let her compete. Uh, despite bigoted protests over her inclusion being painted as unfair, Thomas and second place finisher Emma Wyatt fought fiercely for the lead for most of the race, until Thomas surged ahead in the final 100 metres. Uh, her final time was less than two-fifths of a second faster than the previous year's championship time, and more than nine seconds slower than Olympic swimmer Katie Ledecky's NCAA record-setting 2017 time. Leah has stated she tries to ignore critics as best she can, telling ESPN after the race it means the world to be here. Yeah, congratulations to Leah for that. Um, so up ne- up next from Pink News, um, the Court of Rome has recognised a non-binary person's gender identity for the first time in the Italian court system. Trans people in Italy must go before the court if they wish to legally change their gender and name as well as amend official identification documents. This leaves little room for identifying non-binary people as such appearances need evidence of hormone treatment prior to this historic ruling. Giovanni, the lawyer who represented the non-binary person named Alex, told Pink News, quote, This win is a milestone in my country since the court has always claimed for the person to have been submitted to hormonal therapy before, end quote. While this was one judge's ruling and does not change existing laws in the country, this ruling sets a precedent for that that may pave the way for non-binary rights in Italy. Yeah, some good news there. Fantastic news. Um, and our final story is from Star Observer. And uh, Brisbane-based City Point Christian College is once again in the news, this time for asking teachers and staff to sign employment contracts that threaten to sack them for being openly LGBTQIA+. A month after nationwide outroar over a similar updated enrolment contract, uh, the college announced and withdrew. The document says the teachers agree to work within the Statement of Faith of International Network of Churches that runs the school. Advocacy group Just Equal, along with a chorus of other advocates, have called on the withdrawal of public funding for City Point and other similar faith-based private schools. Uh, With Just Equal spokesperson Brian Gregg stating... We call on the federal and Queensland governments to withdraw all public funding for City Point College until it can show it respects the laws of the governments that fund it and the inclusive attitudes of the everyday Australians who pay. City Point Christian College has since stated they are reviewing the employment contract. Do they, like, ever learn their lesson? Like, genuinely, <laughs> they they saw the impact of, like, the first time they tried this and just went, oh, Let's try it with the teachers. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, and then it's the uh, the same outcome again. They're just reviewing it, and they are li- I would say they're likely to withdraw it. Yeah, wait for the next... Uh, you know, I don't even know who took uh, the former principal's place, but I'm waiting for them to resign now. Uh, so, you know, you know, casually step aside to pursue new um, and brighter futures, as they always say, just like... Uh, <laughs> yes, um... Will they ever learn their lesson? And yeah, uh, in my opinion, I don't really understand why private schools uh, get public funding. Yeah. And, uh, it's usually disproportional to like public schools, which don't get any, you know, like tuition fees. So. Yeah, well, speaking as someone that went to a private school, I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway. Oh, it just breeds entitlement. Yes. Well, that's been the news. But um, if, any of you, if you found any of those stories distressing, uh, you can contact Lifeline at one three. 1114 or 131114 as we usually say uh, you can contact Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800 and you can call QLife at 1-800-184-527 and they also have an online chat and you can call uh, you can't call them but you can go to rainbowdoor.org.au for some online support resources yeah um, coming up next we're going to be listening to Manish Boy by Imbi 
Um, do you want to talk a little about them, uh, Sammy? Yeah, I love Imbi. Uh, oh, me too. <laughs> excellent artist. Um, they're based on Aura Land, and uh, this track is a cover of Muddy Waters, uh, a Muddy Waters song, which and the track's out through the Irreverent Chess Records, and um, it's going to be the first single a part of a compilation cover album, uh, which is going to be called Everybody Knows I'm Here, and that's out through that's out May six, and it's celebrating the seventieth anniversary of chess. Uh, yeah, which if you don't know Chess Records, they're a great like Souls and Blues uh, label. Mm. And uh, yeah, Indy seems very excited to also be included in this compilation. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into it. This is Indy with Manish Boy. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Want more Loud and Queer? Follow our socials at Sin Loud on Instagram and Twitter. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. That track you just heard was the new one by Electric Fields, which is called Catastrophe. Uh, Electric Fields, obviously, iconic uh, queer band here. Been trailblazers for a long time. Oh, yeah. And uh, before that was Manish Boy by Imbi, which is going to be a part of a new Chess Records compilation album out May 6th. Um, yeah, well, we're going to jump into our first um, just quick topic that we wanted to talk about today. Um, Meta, or okay basically just Facebook um they've been it's it's a kind of a problem that's been going on a lot like constantly like these days um yeah. if you're like frequent any sort of social media you're well aware of like sort of things like shadow banning or things getting taken down what for seemingly no reason and for the most part that usually gets frequently most oftenly targeted towards pick the queer or POC people so it's very much very frustrating, so we want to talk a bit about that. We have a story here that just kind of accentuates that issue, so... Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess what, what spiked, like like you said, it's um, it's a constant thing, but uh, there was a recent Star Observer article which was published by, uh, uh, written by Oliver Kane, who was contributing to it, who is a queer freelance artist, and um, they were writing about just how they had posted some... Uh, photos of some of their artworks to advertise for an upcoming exhibition and uh, it was all very safe stuff just like the most probably risque thing was like um, a painting of like a male bare chest and um, the uh, advertisements were flagged like numerous times to the point where not only was the advertisements and posts taken down but their whole account had been suspended Uh, which yeah I guess really just uh, highlights the double standard that exists on Meta and um, how queer bodies are just constantly being flagged as sexual content far too easily on the platforms. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's just the whole, and also that whole desire of, like, anyone that, like, obviously it's important when you have the power to, like, be able to report something that is, like, genuinely upsetting, but it is kind of, it is very frustrating when the whole idea is that anything that is queer-related suddenly getting flagged for nudity is this and everything and just being deemed inappropriate when it really isn't like no there's plenty of um like similar photos of of cis straight people uh that posing in bikinis which is fine that is perfectly fine and again nothing wrong with that it's just yeah you said just that whole double standard of being like how is that deemed appropriate when artwork of a naked queer body isn't like yeah and, um, yeah, I guess for me as well, like, sex work has come to mind because mm. um, it's, it's pretty well known that 
yeah, sex workers trying to promote their businesses online, uh, like, are constantly getting accounts suspended and posts shut down, even though they work really hard to make sure their posts still abide by terms of service. And, um, yeah, you kind of have to use these meta-owned social channels to to promote and share information nowadays. So Yeah, well, they're the most popular. So it's kind of like if you don't use them, there's no way your business is going to get to the reaches that it is. Like, well... Well, again, like Instagram and Facebook, they're all owned by Meta. If you yeah. open up the app, either of apps these days, it's like there's the icon for the for the app, and then underneath Meta, it's like they're all there. It's and since they're the most popular ones and the ones that most businesses use, you kind of have to follow along with it, which is why abiding by those terms of service is so important, but also so frustrating when they aren't the standard. Yeah, I mean, there's the terms of services as stated, but then it doesn't apply to everyone like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, and um, I, uh, the Star Observer article also kind of touches on how there's currently no really way to like feasibly repeal uh, these suspensions because uh, Meta claimed that like uh, their reviewers and like their, their logs are just like backlogged due to COVID-19, mm. um, which... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll have to take it at face value. but <laughs> We kind of have no choice to, but at the same time, it is such a large company. Like, surely they can fo- they can fork out the money to hire more workers. Yeah. Then again, if they pay them correctly is another issue entirely, but we're not going to go into that right now. Um. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess it's just they're all firing all cylinders towards metaverse right now. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's it's always been there. Like, a lot of... A lot of big social media platforms, like I know TikTok, which isn't owned by Meta, but they also have the same sort of issue, like discussing the issues of being shadow banned, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically like when your account is still up, it's still active, you can still like post things and do anything, but it just gets no reach whatsoever. The app will not promote your content at all. And it can really affect a lot of creators because they can't get their like they either they can't get their businesses out there or anything they're trying to say it effectively silences them, and it's a very serious issue. And I hear it talked about a lot, but not in a lot in like no, the news itself and everything because it most frequently affects people, like people that are queer or POC, which is really frustrating and really disappointing to see. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the shadow banning like instance is interesting because there really is no way of knowing you've been shadow banned unless yeah. like you just have to kind of assume when if your traction for like your page has just completely died. It's like, well, I guess I've been shadow banned or, yeah. or zucked as people say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like it, you, it, there's a big difference if like you have a video that is like, like when your regular content averages like... I'm throwing out a random number here, like 100k views, like every time, and then the next video, po- the next few videos you post get barely 500. Then, like, there's very clearly an issue going on. So it's like, yeah, like you said, you won't really know until like a bit later on in time, and by then, what what can you really do? There's no like where to report. Hey, why have I been shadow banned? Like, yeah, it's it's very, it's 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 a really sneaky tactic, and it's just really. Really frustrating to see it happen to so many people that really don't deserve it. Yeah, and um, I guess if you want to like get a bit more of an example of like shadow banning, I really recommend the page um, "Beautiful, Talented, and Deadly." Uh, mm. It's run by Kira Jangle, and um, it's an Instagram page and a Facebook page. And uh, yeah, they are often shadow banned, and if you follow them, you kind of get to see all that play out. 
well, you have to go to the account and check it out because they get shadow banned. So if you follow yeah. them, you still might not see the posts. But um, yeah, uh, you, you can kind of see like the content they make. Um, like anything that's leaning more kind of political uh, gets way less traction, mm. um, which is, yeah, that shadow banning in effect. But... Yeah, well, that's specifically why, like, I see, I see it a lot on TikTok, especially why so many people, when, like, discussing those kinds of issues, will purposely do it in a way so that the algorithm stuff will not catch it, either, like, changing words around or, like, even, like, editing the video when it's separate app entirely so it doesn't catch, like, any, t- any like, diet, any, like, words that have been purposely typed in on the apps and everything it's all like you kind of have to do it that way and make the work work around them because you know that the general algorithm that is looking for it will be looking for those words and purposely like picking them out and being like all right that mentioned something political no traction whatsoever yeah but yeah I guess um we'll probably have to wrap this segment up here but um I guess to conclude like uh there's no real, like, it's a, it's a private company that is, like, infamously very quiet about, like, what's going on behind the scenes. And shady about it. Yeah, and shady about it. So I don't know if there's a, a way to fight it other than just, like, um, you know, keeping, keeping tabs on the, the people making content on those platforms beyond just, like, those uh, social media pages. Yeah, like, actively seek them out, actively check on them. Um, which obviously it can be hard in our day-to-day lives because sometimes we will just kind of go on those apps and just kind of mindlessly scroll. But, like, if you want to support creators, especially, like, creators that are online or businesses that work online, like, look into them and see how there are other ways you can support them. There are Some of them will, like, have, like, fundraising pages and everything, and it's just, like, look into ways that you can support them as best as you can. Like, obviously, if you can't donate to them, like, don't, like, your own health and safety is the most biggest priority to you, but it's just do what you can to help like support other people, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice message to finish on. And uh, I guess also we can take solace in, there's been a lot of news lately about how um, traction and interest in the metaverse is just completely failing. So uh, yeah, Facebook slash Meta's next kind of phase of internet takeover is probably not going to be as effective as they last. So Yeah. Well, I, it's nice to see people waking up to that, I think, just because, like, well, I, I work in media. It's it's always terrifying seeing so many, like, big conglomerate companies. So it's like, it's nice to see them get taken down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll jump into a track now. Um, this is one, I don't know if we've played this artist on Loud and Queer before, which is I kind of surprising. We but we're going to play an 100 Gex song um, because iconic queer band um, yeah exactly basically like you know really brought hyperpop into the mainstream so yeah we'll jump into it this is money machine by 100 gex from their debut album 1000 gex you're listening to loud and queer hey love piss baby want more loud and queer follow our socials at sin loud on instagram and twitter hello everyone you're listening to loud and queer on sin that track you just heard was Hello, Hello by Church and AP, which is from uh, their EP Teeth. Great little rap group from Ontario there. And uh, before that was, of course, Money Machine by 100 Gex. Had to do a very quick explicit warning at the, at the last second there. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, you know, it's the first time back in the studio in a while, and I was uh, really in my mind just focused on that smooth transition into the song. Forgot forgot the language warning, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Very quickly on the side note before we get into our next topic, though, it's good to see you in the studio again. Like, yeah. Because, like, obviously something that have I have met before, but, like, it was mainly for, like, other, like, work-related purposes. So we haven't, like, 
met and like done recorded a show together face to face before so it's cool <laughs> yeah and then of course just with covid wise i mean you, you yeah your latin queer tenure last year was all remote yeah exactly so yeah it's just it's great to be back in the studio oh 100 percent um but now we're just going to jump into our next topic that we wanted to talk about on the show um not as bright and cheerful and positive but <laughs> it is what it is um, but we just want just a bit of a con- quick content warning for this. We are going to be discussing just like medical related transphobia. So if you don't really want to listen to this, you're more than welcome to like wait five minutes and come back in. So, um, yes, and we just want to take us away with sort of starting this, like yeah. just giving a bit brief explanation and stuff. Yeah. So I guess this is going to be a pretty broad um, discussion. Yeah. But uh, I guess I was thinking about... Um, the petition that was created, or fin- uh, wrapped up in October last year, mm. that was calling on gender-affirming care to be covered by Medicare, and um, it was signed by over 100,000 people, meaning it had to be presented. The petition was presented, but it hasn't been responded to yet. And Classic. Um, yeah, and uh, as we all know, without subsidy, like p- individuals can pay a lot for this kind of care, some up to 30,000. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, like, outright inaccessible for a lot of the community who are already disadvantaged. Yeah, like, not many people are able to just suddenly throw out 30K uh, to for themselves and everything like that for, to get the proper gen- gender-affirming care that they need, which is very disappointing because, like, your own health and well-being should be priority, but unfortunately we do need things like rent and groceries to, you know survive in this capitalistic world but moving on <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> but yeah um and i guess I, I i was i was trying to like research look into it and um like uh like in terms of gender affirming care like pathways in so-called australia comparatively to other countries um it really exists largely as a service a part of larger general hospitals like mm. um the royal melbourne children's hospital has uh, gender clinic for um like children and youth uh which is great but yeah there isn't a lot of just like specific gender clinics and um one that comes to mind that uh is the monash gender clinic and uh if you're someone who's tried to get gender affirming care before or have received it you'd know that uh the the monash gender clinic and similar ones have very long waiting lists like sometimes up to a year almost so um, yeah just because there's like not enough of them like yeah it's it's under resourced absolutely 100 percent. like it's with the amount of like clinics there are you would think like there aren't that many but Shocker to everybody, there are quite a lot of queer folk out there, so... Yes. Um, and, yeah, uh, also, of course, the same could be said for um, mental health. Mm. Uh, it, there's just not enough mental health public resources um, uh, or, like, public care in the country in general, but then when you factor in queer individuals who are usually, like, more at risk for mental health-related issues... Um, it can be even scarier trying to like seek that help because sometimes a, a general practitioner might not actually be kind of queer focused or queer studied and um, which could just make things worse potentially. Yeah, exactly. Well, we learned, we read a bit about that with the article because we uh, had look, a look at another Pink News article um, that, was, um, that was written by Jay Hall. Um, and it was discussing um, the like experiences in the UK of a, a trans sex worker. Um, they didn't use her real name, but for the sake of it, we'll just say it's the article calling her Mandy. Um, and just a lot of the, like, honestly, 
pretty much traumatizing experiences that she had had at other clinics, just trying to get her health checked up and them treating her like horribly, saying like, we don't know what to do with your kinds of people, which is very dehumanizing language to use. Indeed. Yeah. So like we, in the article, it goes to mention that like in the UK, there are five, currently five trans specific sexual health services, which like, sure, when you hear that, that sounds like, oh, yay, five trans specific sexual health services and everything. But that's just in the UK. Yeah. And the UK is very big. Very large. Like only five. Yeah. And, um, like, I, again, I was trying to look here. If I was like, oh, I wonder if there are any trans-led sexual health clinics that exist here. I couldn't find anything. And um, I would not be surprised if they Just probably there. don't exist. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, uh, like, healthcare, like, surprisingly is done by, like, person-to-person kind of more mutual aid, mm. um, which is, yeah, you know... It's great that it happens, but it's not the way it should be happening. Yeah, like, obviously having help from those, like, from other mutuals is always great, but, like, you also want to be able to have people that can give you professional advice and, like, on an information on what to do, how to handle specific, like, medical problems that you may have, uh, specific to, like, however you, uh, specific to whatever your gender or sexuality is. So it's very, like, upsetting the fact that, you just can't get that at, like, so many services and everything because, sure, you could try, but you run the really high risk of them not knowing how to treat you or just treating you horribly. Yeah. And um, uh, I guess, like, if you are someone listening to this who uh, kind of relates to these experiences, like you um, in have had bad experiences with GPs relating to queer issues in the past or have like tried to get access to gender affirming care and have struggled to um uh, i'd really recommend going to the victorian pride center website if you Mm. uh, are based here in so-called melbourne um they have a directory not just of stuff that is at the pride center but of um just a range of like resources and places in general and um there you can find like uh gps who have listed themselves as queer friendly and um yeah, queer-friendly health clinics and psych clinics. And, um, yeah, so I definitely recommend checking out the Victorian Pride Centre's directory. Yeah, 100%. Like, everyone has a right to have access to proper health care, physical and mental. So, like, look look out for, the, for them and try and get the information that you can just because, again, like, your own mental well-being is physically and mentally is the most important thing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, yeah, I mean, there's probably not much more we can say on it, I guess, other than encourage your your local councils to mm. uh, do more to establish more um, more queer-focused and trans-focused uh, healthcare of all facets. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, do, like just doing what you can to make sure people are aware that like, hey, these issues still exist and we want, we want proper healthcare, we want proper treatment, so. Yeah, and like if... If there aren't people uh, around that um, are, you know, well-versed in, in like, queer identities, then uh, queer people just won't feel comfortable going to the GP. And that's mm. something the article even touches on. Yeah. Uh, it talks about some statistics, which I can't remember the exact numbers, but, uh, like, queer people are just far less likely to go out and seek medical help um, because of this. So, yeah, it's a... 
it's unfortunate, but um, the reality is we all know. Uh, I found the I found the thing oh, right here. Fantastic. So um, this is quoting the Pick News article. Um, according to 2019 research published by the British Medical Journal, quote, trans people were less likely to have attended a sexual health clinic in the past 12 months compared to cisgender people. And those who did were, quote, more likely to report experiencing discrimination in medical setting rather than cisgender people, end quote. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're listening to this show uh, and you're queer, you likely know this already. But, mm. um, yeah, worth talking about ahead of TDOV. Uh, I guess if you uh, were affected by any of what we just talked about, you can contact QLife at one 184 527 and they also have an online chat. Or you can call Lifeline at 13 11 14. Mm. But um, we'll jump into a track now to, you know, get the spirits up. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be playing Nothing Gives Me Pleasure by Gelpool. And, uh, yeah, Gelpool are a fantastic band and, uh, yeah, <laughs> Cali-based icons. And um, this is a new new sound for them. It's kind of glitch poppy. And uh, the, the song's message is, I guess, unrequited self-love. So without further ado, here is Gelpool. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin with Sammy and Liz. That track you just heard was Girl Paul's new single, Nothing Gives Me Pleasure. Yeah, um, we're going to be jumping into our Froth or Not for the weeks now, which always love to get into. It's always just the, especially after if it's been like a rather heavy episode, it's always just kind of like the time when you can, you know, make yourself feel good, talk about things that have happened in the week, whether big or small, like... It's just nice to talk about how things have been going lately. So, Sammy, how have you been? What's your been your froth for this week? Oh, well, um, uh, had a exhibition launch yesterday at Melbourne's Living Museum of the West. We uh, do tell. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, how do I even describe it? So, the event was called To Listen, Not to Reserve, and um, it was day of programming with installations, appearances, imagery and language in consideration of mutual ability and other opacities, as uh, the event's description puts it. And um, yeah, it was really fantastic. It was um, a bunch of artists who had a bunch of different kind of things organized, um, live performances, sound pieces, um, some video projects, some just like, you know, more traditional art projects, I guess, <laughs> like the, yeah. the tactile stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun. I, I was included in it because I made an audio tour with RMIT um, for the museum in 2019. And then in December last year, someone reached out and asked if, uh, like, asked me to revise it uh, for the museum, which is really great. Um, it's That's really, amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's really awesome to do, like, you know, uni projects, uh, are a great way to learn and like get the ropes of like things, but a lot of it, a lot of them usually don't have much life outside of university. Oh yeah, I, like, I've got plenty of like film projects I've done that will never see the light of day again. Yeah, you you know you're working under like assignment rubrics and mandatories, so you don't yeah. always you're not always making like the thing you want to make. So yeah, and again, you're learning, so it's like yeah. you like you might be looking at things and like at the time be like, wow, I'm so glad I tried out this new thing, and then later on, once you are more experienced with it, you're like, oh my god, I did that. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such is the life of art. Such is the life of art. Um, but yeah, so so to get to like revise something was really cool, and um, 
yeah, uh, finished that off in December, and then now it's finally like launched as a part of this exhibition. And uh, I guess if you want to listen to it, you could get down to the Living Museum of the West, which I encourage you to do anyway. It's a great place. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, and you can. Uh, I put up, I put up some QR codes which you can scan to listen to the tour. But if those aren't up anymore, I guess you could just reach out to the museum and see if they have them. Or I guess you could reach out to us in Loud and I can send it to you. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it just because it's amazing. And like, Sammy, you've done some incredible work out there. Like even here on Loud and Queer, you've made some amazing things for us. So it's like, highly recommend going and checking it out. Yeah, uh, audio documentaries and features, um, which I guess like I'd factor an audio tour as, uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun to make um, and, yeah, really enjoyed doing it. Uh, main curators to, like, yeah, was yeah. Uh, Isabella Hone Saunders. Um, so credit to you, Isabella. You did, you did great work. It was a great event. All right, Liz, what was your froth? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, I haven't done anything, like, big like that and everything. Like, obviously, the reason, like, the reason why you're here in the studio is because of, like, that exhibition and coming down for it and everything, which obviously is great. I can, consi- I can consider that a froth. Um, but, like, it's just been, like, going through the motions for me lately for the most part. Like, I guess, like, we're at that first point for many people in university where, like, the first round of assessments come around because... It's different for everyone, but I, for the most part, with my course, I've noticed there's always, like, three rounds of assessments because, like, my course doesn't have any exams, which, you know, I will happily accept that. <laughs> but it just kind of means, like, more more assessments, but, like, they're kind of more segmented. So, like, first rounds, first one's been done, which I'm very happy about. It's just kind of started writing the treatment for it, which is, like, I, it's correlated. I can talk about it. Um, it's a, um, I plan to, like, be doing a, short uh, like a little short film like discussing like sort of queer representation in children's media just because if anyone that's been on this show like listened to this show before can know like I'm a broken record on the matter but I'm like I really strongly value more representation in children's media especially animated children's media so yeah <laughs> it'll be cool to see more of that yeah for sure well I'm excited to see it that sounds fantastic <laughs> hopefully I can talk about it at another time but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Like, other than that, though, it's just been, like, mainly going through the motions. Like, I know after this show I'm going to have to go home and actually do another assessment. So that's a bit of a knot. But you know what? That is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll jump into another track before we go and wrap up the show. Um, this one is Family Ties by Mickey Blanco featuring uh, Michael Stripe and... Uh, yeah, Mickey Blanco is a vaguely Europe-based, but uh, of Brooklyn origins, I would say, rapper. Um, and this is a new single featuring the REM frontman Michael Stripe. Uh, it's off the heels of her LP Broken Hearts and Beauty Sleep, released uh, last year. And yeah, the song follows a difficult relationship between a father and son, with Blanco playing the son's partner. And it's based on personal experiences from her life, and it's got a very sweet little lo-fi video to accompany. So... Definitely go check that out. Um, just a quick warning as well. There is some explicit language in it, but like, it's still a fantastic song and highly recommend listening to it. So, yeah, we'll jump to it now. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Welcome back to Loud and Queer on Sin. You just listened to Family Ties by Mickey Blanco featuring Michael Stipe, which fantastic song um anything else you wanted to add to that sammy uh 
Mickey Blanco is an icon. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's fantastic. And um, yeah, you'll still be hearing the track in the background now. She's, um, she's obviously known as a rapper, as I said, uh, if you heard the front announce, but this is a very different direction. Um, obviously the feature Michael Stripes influence is like come through a lot but yeah it's it's great to hear 100 percent. like i love it when artists when artists branch out from what they normally do just to have some fun with it just do what they want and yeah like if you're an artist you should have your full right to explore different genres and do your passions there but that can be a talk for another time um basically like we already talked about plenty today i mean we had our froth or not we had a bit of talk about um just more trans focused healthcare and, ge- and gender-affirming care, just that should be put into the syst- uh, our systems here in so-called Australia. Um, we also talked more about the meta-censorship and just how frustrating meta is in general. And, of course, our uh, news for the week. Um, if you want to reach out to us and talk to us about anything we talked about on the show or, you know, share your own experiences with anything that we talked about, um, feel free to reach out to us on any of our major social media platforms. Uh like that's which is uh, at sin loud. That's at s y n loud, or uh, on Instagram and Twitter, or loud and queer on Facebook. Again, it sounds so counterintuitive after the after talking about meta, but like I said, we're a we we're a show. We're going to promote ourselves, and like we said, they're the main sources. Yeah, and um, we'll be kicking up the socials properly for season two, which is coming up short, uh, pretty soon actually. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, get following now so you can uh, be there for when the content starts properly dropping. Yeah, but if you do want to listen, r- listen to this podcast again, or any of our previous podcasts from all the previous from all the others from this season, or any previous seasons, you can reach out to us. You can find us on. Uh, any of your major sh- podcast streaming services like Omi, Spotify, Stitcher or Apple Music. Yes, and uh, thank you again for listening to the show. And um, uh, if you want to find any of the music we've played, you can go to our Spotify playlist, The Loud and Queer Mixtape 2022. And uh, yeah, other than that, we'll see you next Sunday at 3. For now, we're going to ride out on a track by a lovely local artist, Mara Ra. This track is called Outdoor Nudge, and it is from Faye's Throwing Knives EP, which was an EP recorded in one take using the live coding program Tidal Cycles. Uh, So yeah, it's code code music. It's so cool. (laughs) Um, And you can find the EP on Bandcamp, or if you check out Mara's SoundCloud, uh, you can find the whole EP as one continuous mix, which is very cool. But yeah, we'll jump into that now. You've been listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you around. (laughs) 